have peace because we know that Jesus has overcome the world. Lord, help us to lift our eyes above our circumstances and to focus on Christ Jesus and that might, we might experience a peace that goes beyond our ability to understand or explain. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. You know, when we think of this uh, passage, the fruit of the Spirit is peace, we look around us and we see that there is no peace. And everything around us, we're bombarded on every side with things that might produce in us anxiety, fear, worry uh, about the past, about the present, and about the future. There are wars, there are diseases, there are dissensions, there, are, there is unrest, there is inflation, there is turmoil all around. There is so many things that would rob us of our peace. And here we see that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. The way to experience real peace is to walk in the Spirit and to experience God's grace and God's peace uh, through our faith in Christ Jesus. And so from our very earliest times, we uh, recognize that we live in a difficult world, that we live in a world where there is trouble. And from our earliest days, we experience a lack of peace and anxiety. And, uh, uh, and the scripture tells us that that lack of peace comes because we are uh, alienated from God. All, all that have been uh, descendants of Adam and Eve are born with a sinful nature and born little rebels uh, in rebellion against God. We are not at peace with God. We are... are uh, enemies of God, hostile to God, and we are born utterly and completely and totally sinful, and therefore we are alienated from God. And one of the responses, really, you know, there's two responses to that lack of peace. Uh, one response is to simply try to escape and try to do what you can to make yourself feel better, and the other response is to uh, try real hard. Uh, to, to try really hard to exercise self-control and self-discipline and to, and to obey the law and to obey rules and regulations. And as we have looked at the book of Galatians, obedience to the law does not bring peace. Obedience to the law does not bring peace with God. We cannot be reconciled with God through our self-effort, through our hard work. And that's exactly why Paul writes this letter to the churches at Galatia. Because people have come in and are uh, uh, preaching a different gospel, uh, a gospel that's no gospel at all. It's not good news because it cannot bring peace with God. These men have come in and they have added law to grace. They are adding uh, works to faith and they are adding self-effort to the work of Christ. Paul came and he preached the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. But these false teachers are preaching grace plus law, faith plus works, Christ plus self-effort, and that gospel cannot bring peace. That false gospel cannot bring reconciliation with God. Paul has said in this book that no man is justified by the works of the law, but we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ that we cannot achieve peace by obeying the rules and obeying rules and regulations because if we try to justify ourselves through obedience to the law, we're obligated to keep the whole law all the time 
and never fall short in not even one little detail, not one little dot of the I or cross of the T. We are obligated to obey the whole law all the time if we are going to justify ourselves through obedience to the law. And so obedience to the law cannot bring peace. Because if we're trying to obey the law in our own strength according to our own flesh, then uh, the flesh is at war with the Spirit, and it will not produce the fruit of peace. We cannot be reconciled to God through our hard work, through the works of our flesh. Because if we try in our flesh, the flesh produces its works, which are hostile to God, idolatry, sorcery, heresies, all those things opposed to God. And so we cannot achieve peace through our self-effort, through working really hard. And nor can we have peace with others. We cannot achieve peace with God through our self-effort, and we cannot achieve peace with other people through our self-effort. Because the work of the flesh, if we're working in ourselves, then the fruit of the flesh is dissensions and envy and jealousies and outbursts of wrath. The law does not bring peace. The law brings separation and division. The law separates us from God because it shows us that we fall short of God's holy standard. And we cannot justify ourselves through obedience to the law. And the law separates us one from another. In the, the, the churches in Galatia, the, the Jews and the Gentiles were separated by the law. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles because they didn't have the law. The Gentiles looked down upon the Jews because they believed they were enslaved by the law. And so there was division. There were contentions. There were outbursts of wrath and jealousy and envy. The law cannot bring peace. It cannot bring us into peace with God, and it cannot bring us into peace with one another. The works of the flesh, self-effort, do not produce peace. Peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces peace peace. On the last night of Jesus' earthly life, as he just had a few hours to spend with his men, he promised that he was, even though he was leaving them, they would have to exist in enemy territory without his physical presence. But he promised that when he returned to the Father, he would ask the Father, and the Father would send the Holy Spirit. That God the Father, God the Son, would come not only to be with his people, but to be in his people, and the Holy Spirit would come and produce his fruit in his people. And so as we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit, we flip back to the Gospel of John to that last night of Jesus' earthly life when he is preparing his disciples to live in enemy territory without his physical presence, and he promises the Holy Spirit. And it's in that, that, uh, that address, that the discourse, the sermon he preached in the last hours of his earthly life that he promises the Holy Spirit and he speaks of the, the fruit that the Holy Spirit will bring with him. And we see also him speaking about peace. And so if you would flip over to John chapter 14, we will look at, uh, uh, at the Holy Spirit bringing peace. Jesus is leaving his people in enemy territory. They will have to survive and thrive in enemy territory without his physical presence. And the way they will do that is because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
And we looked at him speak of love and, and model love for us in this passage. Last week we looked at his teaching on joy. The Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of joy. And today we focus on Jesus' instruction about peace. And so in John chapter 14, verse 25, we see Jesus say to these men, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so Jesus, just hours before his death, spoke to his followers about peace, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is peace. And he told them, I am leaving peace with you. And then notice what else he says, my peace I give to you. So the first thing we notice about peace is that the peace that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the, the peace that the Holy Spirit brings is the peace of Jesus. My peace I give to you. And we can learn a lot about peace as we uh, survey the, the, the events that happened to Jesus just hours after he said this. He's, he's just hours away from his own death. He knows that he is at that very moment being betrayed. That Judas has accepted the money and Judas is now looking for an opportunity to turn him over to the Roman guards and the temple police. When he's away from the crowd, he is at that very moment being betrayed. And he knows within hours he's going to be lifted up on a cross to die. And he's going to suffer unbelievable, unspeakable physical torment and agony as he is nailed to a cross. But more than that, he is going to experience the full force of God's wrath. Uh, uh, his anger, his justice, his punishment for every sin of every single person who will ever come to him in repentance and faith. Jesus knows that he is going to to, to fulfill the, 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 the wrath of God against the sins of all who come to him. And he is going to be forsaken by the Father so that we can be forgiven. He is going to be punished for our sins so that we can be clothed in his righteousness. He knows that agony is coming and he speaks to his men about his peace. My peace I give to you. And so we see as these events play out, we see Jesus. We see that his peace does not mean the absence of conflict. It does not mean the absence of struggles. It does not mean security and safety and uh, comfort. No, his peace is in the midst of unbelievable hostility and trouble and suffering. We'll see his peace when he is in the garden and one of his closest friends comes to him leading a cohort of Roman soldiers. That word cohort can speak of six to eight hundred Roman soldiers. A company of Roman soldiers fully equipped, ready for battle. And the temple police, the temple guards, the servants of the high priest Jesus will face the betrayer with all of those soldiers, all of those police. 
And he will calmly look at the betrayer and ask him, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And those Roman soldiers, he will ask them, who are you seeking? And the commander of the guard will say, we are seeking Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus will say, with calmness and dignity and strength, I am. I am the one that you are seeking. And he tells him, leave these men alone. You have said that you are seeking Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Let these men go free. You said with your own voice, you're not seeking them, you're seeking me. Let them go. And then you will see his peace when one of his followers, one of his closest father's followers, Peter, will draw a sword. And Peter will strike out at the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And in great strength and calmness and dignity, Jesus will rebuke his friend, put your sword away. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And then reach out and heal the ear of the servant of the high priest. Dignity, strength, calm in the midst of unbelievable adversity. And then Jesus will be bound and taken to the high, to the high priest where he will be questioned and examined by this, this mob that is just uh, filled with outrage and hatred for him. They know that he must be destroyed and they will stop at nothing. He must be destroyed. He must be killed. And so they begin to question him, asking him about his doctrine and his teaching. And with great calmness and dignity, Jesus will say, I've been teaching in the temples. You've heard me. Why ask what I teach? You've heard what I say. I've been teaching openly. It's no secret. And then one of the servants of the high priest will strike him. Jesus will say, I've done nothing wrong. Why have you struck me? And they will continue to question him. And finally, Jesus will say, you will see the Son of, the man, Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power with calmness and dignity and strength, peace in the midst of great adversity. And when he says that, they will begin to scream. They will stop their ears. They will rip their clothes. It's just a, a scene of absolute chaos and outrage and turmoil and hatred against Jesus. And it is calm dignity. He stands with peace in the midst of unbelievable hostility and turmoil. We see his quiet dignity, his calmness of spirit, his peace because of his trust in the Father and the Father's plan. And then those uh, religious leaders will bind him and take him to the governor. And the governor is uh, uncomfortable. The governor himself is not in a state of peace. These, 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 this, out, this, this, this furious mob has brought this humble man to them, just outraged, demanding that, that Pilate put him to death. And Pilate's not experiencing any peace. He's supposed to be the one in charge. He's supposed to be the governor. And yet we see the turmoil of his spirit 
He's got this mob demanding that Jesus be crucified, but he knows that justice means that he must be let go. And so he's trying to find a reason to let Jesus go, to release him. And yet Jesus will not defend himself. He's simply silent. Enduring the rage of the mob. And Pilate himself is frustrated and Pilate is in turmoil of spirit and he looks at Jesus and he says, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or the power to let you go? And with great dignity and strength and calmness, Jesus says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Through all of this, Jesus experiences peace, calmness, strength, and dignity in the midst of turmoil. And then even on the cross, we see him say, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Even to the moment of death, we see his Peace. And just hours before that happens, Jesus says to his followers, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And so when we think of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we think of his peace. And, 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 he, and he says this right after. He promises the, the Holy Spirit, the, the helper, that the Father will send, that will teach them all things and bring to remembrance the things that Jesus said. We see the source of peace, that peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the promised one. Jesus is leaving them. His physical presence will be gone, but he is coming in the person of the Holy Spirit not just to be with them, but to be in them and to produce his fruit, the fruit of the peace of Jesus. And so we look at the peace of Jesus, my peace I give to you, a calm, a dignity, a, a, a control in the midst of hostility. The strength and dignity that comes from trusting God and his plan and his purpose and his power to take the evil that humans can do and overcome and work it for good. And so Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Then the next thing we notice about peace is that it is not like the world gives. <laughs> my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus does not bring peace. Uh, like the world brings peace. The world is longing for peace. It's longing for peace with God. It's longing for peace among other people. And, and, and yet the world, try as it might, cannot bring a lasting peace. The world cannot bring peace. It cannot bring peace with God. It cannot bring peace with others because it does not address the sinful nature of human people. The world uh, tries to bring peace and, and calm. And the world defines peace as the absence of hostility, the absence of trouble, the absence of conflict. 
The world thinks if we could just get everybody to be nice and we could just get everybody to be kind and we could just get everybody not to be mean to each other and people not to exercise power over other people, if we could just have an equity of outcome and everybody uh, be okay, then we could have peace. But that... Those solutions that the world offers do not address the sinful nature of human people. If you take power from one oppressor, then it takes power from a greater oppressor to overcome that one, to keep them from oppressing. The world cannot offer lasting peace. Any peace that the world brings is just a temporary lull in the constant state of warfare. The world cannot bring peace because peace comes from the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace comes from Jesus who died on the cross so that we might have peace with God. He died on the cross to satisfy God's wrath. We who are his enemies, we who are rebels, Jesus died on the cross to satisfy the penalty that we deserve. The law has separated us from God because we can't keep it. And the law demands that we be put to death because we are lawbreakers. And Jesus died on the cross to take that penalty. And God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted and God's wrath has been turned away. And when we... Come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. We have been born again by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings peace with God. As our sins have been paid for, we have been forgiven. We have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We who were God's enemies have been adopted into His family. And we are His sons and daughters. We have peace with God. And and when we have peace with God, only then can we have peace with other people. The Holy Spirit produces peace. The fruit of peace, only God's grace through faith in Jesus can produce a lasting peace. And it's a peace that goes beyond our ability to understand and beyond our ability to explain. The world cannot give peace. And so Jesus speaks to these men that he's leaving in enemy territory. My physical presence is being taken from you, but I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I will be not just with you, but in you. And the Holy Spirit will give you peace. He will give you my peace. The ability to trust and to be calm and to be assured even in the midst of unbelievable hostility, turmoil, danger, uncertainty and while that happens do not let your heart be troubled or neither let it be afraid because the Holy Spirit will come and in chapter 16 verse 14 says he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you he will give you my peace and as we continue to see as he brings this discourse to an end he gets back to the topic of peace in chapter 16 verse 33 he's told them that he's going away he's told them that it is for their good that he is going away 
He has told them that he is going away to prepare a place for them in the Father's house. He has told them that he will come to them in the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, at first he has told them that they will see him again. He will raise from the dead, and then he will return to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will come, and the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit. He has also told them that the world will hate you. He's told him all these things. And then he concludes with these words in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be strengthened and comforted because I have overcome the world. And so the peace that Jesus brings does not mean an absence of conflict. It does not mean calmness and, 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 and lack of tribulation, lack of suffering, lack of pain, lack of hostility, lack of anger. He's told them exactly the opposite. The world will hate you. And when the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You're my servant. You're not greater than the master. If the world hates me and the world does what it's going to do to me in the next hours, just imagine what they will do to you. You are not greater than me. I am leaving you in enemy territory. I am leaving you in a world that hates me and hates God and will hate you. I'm leaving you in enemy territory. You have an enemy. Satan wants to devour and destroy your soul and rob you of your peace and joy. I'm leaving you in a world that is hostile to God with all of its enticements. And you will also be in your flesh in this world that will be drawn to the enticements of this world. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You've got an enemy who wants to destroy you. You've got the enticements of the world that want to drag you away. And you've got your own flesh that wants to chase after and follow after those things. In this world, you will have trouble. You are going to be at war. This is a combat zone. This is a battle. You will have tribulation. You will have trouble. There will be pressure. There will be conflict. And I've told you that so that you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But be of good courage. I have overcome the world. The world thought Jesus had breached the peace. The world thought Jesus had broken the peace, disrupted the peace. Jesus was a disturber of the peace. One of the things that the Roman Empire took, took great pleasure in was the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And Rome's peace was, a, was, was peace by strength. They brought in overwhelming force and massive armies with great weapons and didn't allow the others to, to have any weapons so they could defend themselves. It was just overwhelming force, overwhelming power. They came in with soldiers and they occupied the land and occupied the territory. And they brought, brought a false peace just because nobody could do anything against the massive authority of Rome. And the religious leaders in Judea had, uh, had uh, accepted that and had compromised with that. 
and had made an agreement with the Roman occupiers. We will keep the peace if you let us keep our place. The religious leaders had compromised with the government and just said, you know, uh, we will assure the peace. We will, if, if you allow us to exercise our religious regulations and put our rules and doctrines over the people, we will keep them calm. We will keep them submissive. We will make sure that they pay their taxes. We will help you keep the peace by imposing our rules and regulations on the people. And so the religious leaders had made a covenant with the political leaders to keep the peace. They would keep the peace as long as they were allowed to have their place and their position and their prestige and their power over the land. And then Jesus comes. And Jesus comes and he says that these religious leaders have imposed rules and regulations on the people that aren't in the word of God. They had misinterpreted the word of God, misunderstood the word of God, and they had put all these rules and regulations on the people that were, were, were not God's law. Jesus came and he violated their rules and regulations about the Sabbath because he healed people. He did good on the Sabbath. Jesus came and said it's not about outward performance, it's about a change of heart. Jesus came and, and he was wildly popular with the people. They came, they came, they came to hear him and to hear his message, the good news of the kingdom. That it's not about rules and regulations, it's not about doctrines of men. It's about a relationship with God through a changed heart. And people came to him by the thousands. And Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead. And just, uh, uh, just a, a few days before these events, Jesus had gone to Bethany, two miles from Jerusalem, where a man named Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. And Jesus told his sister, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never really die. And then Jesus went to that tomb where the man had been there four days. And even his sister says, uh, don't roll away the stone because uh, he's been there so long. Surely by now he stinks. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then he came to Jerusalem for the observance of the Passover. And as Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, thousands of people began to flood out of the city. To come and meet him and to welcome him. And as they welcomed him, they shouted, Save us now. Deliver us from the oppressor. Set us free. And they cried out that he was the king, the son of David. He was the one who had come from the, the been sent from the Lord. He had come in the name of the Lord to rescue his people. And the religious leaders went berserk because they believed that Jesus was breaching the peace, that he was a disturber of the peace, that he had broken the peace, and that he was going to lead an insurrection, a rebellion. And they determined, they had already determined, but now more than ever, he must be destroyed, and he must be destroyed quickly because he is disturbing the peace. And the Romans might see this and think that we are in a rebellion, an insurrection, a, a revolution. 
And they will come and they will squash it and they will take away our place and our position. Jesus is a disturber, a disruptor, a breaker of the peace. He must be destroyed, but we got to do it in secret. We got to do it in secret because if we try to take him among the crowd, then we will we'll really cause a riot. And so they enticed one of his closest followers to lead them to Jesus when he was away from the crowd. They drug him before the governor and they accused him of insurrection, of being a traitor, leading a rebellion. And they even said to the governor, we have no king but Caesar. Caesar, this man is not our king. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And the governor handed him over to be crucified. Nailed him to, to a cross where he died. And then they took him down and they laid him in a tomb. And they sealed that tomb with all of the power and authority of the Roman Empire, the greatest superpower the world had ever known, setting Roman soldiers there to guard and sealing that with the, uh, the seal of the Roman Empire, the authority. And they thought they had won. This disturber of the peace has been done away with. He is dead. But Jesus said to his followers, in the world you will have trouble. But be of good courage. I have overcome the world. The world thought it had won. They had done away with this disturber of the peace. But then Jesus came out of that tomb. Alive, the stone was rolled away. The guards fell away like dead men. And Jesus walked out alive. It was impossible for death to hold him because he is the resurrection and the life. And he overcame death not just for himself but for all who believe. He has overcome the world. He was executed because they accused him of being a disturber of the peace. But instead, he is our peace. Because he has overcome the world. And so peace is not an absence of trouble. It's not an absence of conflict. But it is a settled assurance. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That Christ has overcome the world. The enemy is defeated. God wins. Christ is king. And so Jesus is the bringer of peace. He gives us peace from our past. You know, so many people today say, you know, my past, all these things that have happened, all this, this trauma and this turmoil, all these things that I've done, I just can't have peace because of my past. Jesus gives peace from our past because he has died for our sins. He offers forgiveness and deliverance from the guilt and the shame by paying the penalty that we deserve. He sets us free from our past, offering forgiveness and grace and reconciliation with God. Other people say, I, I, I can't have peace right now. 
because the problems and, and struggles are just so overwhelming. There's so much pain. There's so much brokenness. There's so much uh, turmoil. There's so much pressure. I just can't have peace. Jesus offers this peace for here and now, telling us I have overcome the world. And in this world, you will have trouble. You will suffer. You will suffer simply because you live in a fallen world. You will suffer the sins of others. You will suffer the consequences of your own sins. You will suffer pain and tribulation. But you can have peace right now because I have overcome the world. And even all of that suffering, all of that pain, all of that trouble is being worked for your sanctification, for your holiness, to make you more like Jesus. You can have comfort right here, right now, knowing that God is working His plan and His purpose and that Christ has overcome the world. And other people say they have no peace because they don't know the future. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're going to do when they get there. They, they, they have an uncertain future and they're working really hard to make for their future, but they don't have peace because of all the uncertainty and all the darkness that's out before them. But with Jesus, the peace of Jesus is also peace about our future. Because on that night, he looked at his men and he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. But we're not so I've told you and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may also be. Jesus offers us peace for our future. With the assurance that all who come to him in repentance and faith will be welcomed to their place in the Father's house and live with him in eternity in a place where there is no sorrow, there is no sadness, there is no tears, there is no conflict, there is no war, there is no sin. And so Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Peace from your past. Peace in your presence. And peace in the future. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth of it. And Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus and we thank you for his obedience to you even unto death, even death on a cross. And Lord, we thank you that you have highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. And Lord, at the name of Jesus, may our knees bow. May our tongues confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to your glory. And Lord, we pray that you would grant us peace by helping us to lift our eyes above our circumstances and to turn our eyes on Jesus the source of peace, the perfect example of peace, the source of peace, the strength to give us peace, knowing that He has overcome the world. Lord, give us a peace that goes beyond our circumstances as we lift our eyes above the temporary and we look at the eternal. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to invite you to stand and turn in your hymnal to him 413. Grace to you and peace. Peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins.
that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever.